0: Welcome to another installment of Behind the Fourth Wall, the podcast where we review and discuss movies, TV shows, and everything else pop culture. My name is Ivan, and I'm joined today, as always, by my co-host and History Channel's devoted expert on all things Bigfoot,
1: Emmett. They do exist, by the way. People people say they don't, but they're out there.
0: They're bound to. There's a Wendigo somewhere out there with the the
1: Bigfoot title just waiting to be found. Yeah, I mean, it's got to be in Florida, for sure. You ever get, you ever watch Monster Hunters
0: on a History Channel?
1: I'm an all things expert on the History <laughs> Channel, so yeah. Of course. <laughs> You're like, oh, duh. You didn't just make that up on the spot.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm always disappointed that they never find anything at the end, but yet I'm always like glued onto the screen just being like, all right, there's got to be some revelation at the end of Well, no, episode.
1: here's the thing. If. It's not an ongoing show if they show you the creature. That's true. (laughs) In the episode. Otherwise, you won't watch the next one.
0: (laughs) But they keep saying it every commercial break. They're like, stay tuned.
1: When we return. I keep you coming back.
0: That's the tagline that gets me. When we return. I'm like, all right, okay, well, now I have to watch this Colgate ad for 30 seconds.
1: (laughs) So I I return with them.
0: (laughs) Yes. All right, well, we're here to talk about the Batman, which, um, I, you know, we're recording this was March 6th, so we're, we're I guess, past the weekend at this point. But uh, it's uh, it's doing some pretty big numbers, um, for, especially for, like, we keep saying, like, post-pandemic, but, you know, the reality is the reality, right? So uh, what are the numbers that we're seeing for this?
1: Yeah, I saw a Deadline and Variety post just before we were... Uh, starting this recording, 128 million-plus on opening weekend numbers. So that's the number one for 2022 so far. And uh, I think it's, like, about half of what Spider-Man did.
0: Yeah, so this immediately puts it at number two post-pandemic releases, which is pretty good. Um, I don't think there's... yeah I, I think without the pandemic and everything kind of let me in there i could easily see this taking 200 mil uh or, or not i don't know because i feel like this movie has it's, it's pg-13 but i feel like it's been marketed almost solely to adult audiences right there's not really much of a kid attraction i guess for in the marketing campaign that i've seen for
1: this yeah i'll say two things on that one this feels more like an r movie <laughs> like you don't get the blood or like the dismemberment, anything like of that stuff that would put it into that echelon. But it is so like creepy, scary. And there were kids in my audience and I'm like, what kind of parent brought their kids to this? It definitely isn't a kid-friendly movie. And,
0: and I feel like um, more so than any other Batman movie we've seen before, but we'll we'll get to that in a little bit. But I, I do I do agree. I feel like this is as close as we're going to get to an R-rated Batman movie, which also makes me think, they gave Suicide Squad the R rating. Like, why didn't they just give it to this one? Because it seemed like right at the door for it.
1: Yeah, I mean, they could have gone all in on some of the violence uh, and get, and bump it up to the R. This definitely isn't R-rated worthy, but it's right on that edge. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I don't think you know pre-pandemic this would have been as big as Spider-Man. I think this is as big as it could be. Like, I think pre-pandemic, it probably would have been about this level or maybe just under. But I think because everyone's like, okay, it's good to go back to theaters now. I'm going to go watch that movie.
0: Yeah, I feel I don't know. I feel like it could have done maybe thirty million dollars more uh, pre-pandemic. But again, I, yeah, you you might be right because I feel like th- we are missing that PG-13 large chunk audience. And I feel like, regardless of pandemic or not, the marketing ad campaigns seem to treat this as an R-rated movie. Which again, they probably should have just gone full steam ahead with it. But uh, it definitely didn't impact the movie one way or the other. <laughs> but uh, it would have been interesting to see what would have happened if they went full R for this. Uh, the only other uh, tidbit of news I had here um, I think Well, also, I had a Star Wars point here but we could probably save that for another episode but uh, I saw this interview with Matt Reeves the director of this movie where he was talking about uh, scenes that he had to take out for this movie and one of them involved um, I believe like costumes for Superman Wonder Woman uh, being worn by kids and adults in a Halloween scene for this film he Had to cut it out because, according to him, Warner Brothers uh, made him cut it out. So, uh, quick question to you because I feel like you know we talked about this in, in length a bit, but uh, do, do you see um, a future for this franchise? And, and if it is within the DCEU, do you see that um, mercurying the waters a little bit for it?
1: Huh, I could see Robert Pattinson being brought back for Batman, uh, and we'll talk about like our thoughts on his performance, but I don't think I would have liked to even see uh, in the Halloween bit, like kids in that costume, because like you can tell from the trailer and we knew from before this, that this was mostly about him kind of becoming like taking those first steps to becoming Batman. Uh, So why would you have like, and if he's the leader of the justice league, why would you have everyone else kind of established in this world? I'd rather see them like get added to the mix in a sequel or, uh, throughout like a DCEU type, uh, buildup.
0: I also feel like tonally, this doesn't really match with the DCEU that we have at the moment. So if there is a justice league, it would probably be very different than the one that we've been introduced to at this point.
1: Yeah. Now, are you picturing, like, would you fold him into the fray of like the Aquaman we have now and Gal Gadot, or would you want to rebuild the justice league in this like darker genre?
0: I feel like I would rather it get rebuilt um, only because I I feel like, yeah, I don't see Gal Gadot's Wonder Woman standing next to Robert Pattinson's Batman.
1: I'd love to, but. (laughs) Or like Jason Momoa's Aquaman. I feel like Momoa could, since he's been tied to Ben Affleck. I think you're better off just restarting what you have. The only one who kind of fits would be Flash.
0: Right, because he's kind of the same
1: all over, you know, like tonally, there's only so many ways you can go with him. But the, I I I think he is uh, Robert Pattinson is good enough that you could build around him and build up a new um, universe around the, this these characters and do it right this time.
0: Yeah, I'd rather they do that than you know the the, the other option.
1: So I'm we're dancing around it. Why don't we get into, into, into uh, the DCU. <laughs> We're we're dancing around it. Why don't we get into spoiler-free thoughts here? You're the uh, seasoned vet on seeing this multiple times already. Do you want to go first?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sure. Um, I think for me, this movie might be my favorite Batman movie of all time, which, uh, <laughs> again, <laughs> big shock. Um, I In our prep episode, I think we finished off saying, like, do you think Robert Pattinson will be your favorite Batman? I'll, I'm I'm not ready to say he's the best Batman of all time yet. I feel like he's very close to it, though um and i and i think that for me you know i've seen this twice and each time i've managed to walk out feeling just as satisfied as the first time i saw it so i think um you know dc has stumbled a lot on their projects lately um, and i'm excited to see where this version of batman goes i'm also nervous cuz i feel like the a gem within a pile of you know pick your creative you know adjectives here but just dc hasn't been the best at delivering high quality content so um, I like it. I think there's a lot of things that this movie did right. I have a few critiques here and there. I feel like overall, it felt maybe a little too long for my taste. But the characters are well balanced. Everything just kind of seemed to fall into place, and it delivered on its promise. This was a detective thriller. um and you know we we haven't seen Batman this way before. so I, in in that respects, I, I I really like this movie.
1: Wow, what a shocker that this is your favorite batman and it's the most recent one it's not like us i know to say that, that sort it of th- of a thing definitely
0: not definitely not at all <laughs>
1: um but no you also hit on one point there that i would i would want to bring up too is the runtime not that any scenes really felt unnecessary so i don't have critiques on like oh they should have just cut this whole portion out it, it felt a little long somehow but i don't know what i would have cut and i and i enjoyed it anyway being that long but uh regardless like my General thoughts for it is i'm I'm coming fresh off of viewing from last night, so I'm still trying to like sit with it and digest what I saw. Uh, and I'll definitely go back again for a second time. But as soon as the credits hit, i I also agree. I knew this was you know top two, worst top three for me of Batman. It's definitely something special, and it's right there with Dark Knight for so many different reasons of like what they did better than that and what they were similar like in in different aspects, I, I love the intensity of each fight of like the dark style of this. It's not like any other superhero we got to see. And for me personally, it's like they made good character development assumptions. Like this is the what twentieth time we've seen Batman. Certain things don't have to get played out every time. You can kind of just be like, "I know who Bruce Wayne is. I know like how this feeds into Batman. We don't have to like you can just do show, don't tell type stuff. And I, I, the only, like, a recommendation type thing I would have is if you're the person right now waiting for it to come to HBO Max, I would absolutely say do not. Like, this is a movie that will be so much better if you see it on the big screen.
0: Heck, yeah. I've seen it on IMAX twice.
1: <laughs> so. That must have been really special because, like, I just saw it on, like, a regular screening of it. But, God, it's like you could feel it, like, rumbling when they're having these fights and stuff like that. Like, it's just so good
0: it was i think it was shot for imax also so like there's something about like the, it's it's very crisp obviously and and the, you know the audio sounds really good but yeah you're right this is a movie where i feel like you'd be doing yourself a disservice if you just wait to watch it at home not that there's anything wrong with that in particular it's just that i feel like this this is an experience <laughs> um in the in the vein that not all movies are so Definitely, you know, if if you're if you have even like the slightest interest in it, go see it. Even if it's just like a matinee showing or something, I feel like it's it's you know you'll do yourself a disservice if you don't get to experience that.
1: And I feel like this is more than just being like you have to be into the into DC or into Marvel or into this genre. Like this felt like kind of like a detective movie as well with a guy wearing a cape. But <laughs> uh, you know, I mean, like it. I don't think you have to be like I love superhero genre. I think you can just go because this is a great movie.
0: It's almost like this is the superhero in the genre portion of this is like a subgenre of it. But it's primarily like a detective crime thriller uh, Yeah. before it's a superhero movie. And I feel like that's what makes this even open to a larger audience, like you said. But let, let, let's let get into the spoilers because I'm, <laughs> I'm very anxious you to
1: contain to yourself. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, me neither. I, I, I really do want to talk about this stuff. So if you haven't seen it, you plan to. Uh, you don't want anything ruined for you. Uh, we're going to talk about characters, plots, and specific scenes now. All right. So, what do you want to start off with? You want to, like kind of just run through some of the characters, or?
0: Yeah, let's go through. I guess Robert Pattinson first because he's.
1: Oh man, I'm billing. sick of Robert
0: Pattinson.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's Those start there. Those damn
0: toilet movies.
1: <laughs> he's
0: come a long way, man. I I think um, you know. Not to kind of get too sidetracked, but if, I feel like if you you go onto IMDb and you look at his filmography uh, since mm-hmm. Twilight over to now, I feel like he's done a lot of different genres of films. Um, I think the most notable one besides this that I've seen before is the um, the Lighthouse, and then the Netflix movie he made with uh, uh, with Timothy Timothy Chalamet, The King. I feel so. So those are the oh, two big yeah. roles that kind of pop out to me. Uh, but he absolutely killed it here.
1: Yeah, I think he. I we didn't get enough. the only like downside to him in this was we did not get enough scenes of him as Bruce. It was all it was, it was almost all Batman, and I think he absolutely knocked it out of the park with being Batman. Like I, that was the part I was actually most worried. Like, is he going to be big enough in stature to, uh, you know, look the part and fill out the suit, or is it going to be like they're going to have to put this like huge mechanical suit on him to make him look more intimidating? But his fighting style like the voice the general look it all worked
0: it all worked especially for the story because this is year two of batman so he's not you know green but he's also not like a veteran like the ben affleck version so he's you know he's, he's well built and i like that the suit was built to kind of play up to those strengths right this isn't like a brute strength batman this is more of a tactical um approach to the character so that's highlighted well i i, I think he especially when he's um, in the dialogue heavy scene. I feel like he he definitely nails the part. The voice I didn't find distracting um, at all, where I feel like that was one of the downfalls of Christian Bale's version of the character. Right. Uh, But the chemistry he shares with a lot of the folks that are his supporting cast in this movie, I feel like is something that we haven't quite seen in most of the uh, other films. Uh, mine is one person, and we'll get to that um, after. But I, I feel like um, you know to segue, I guess, into into the next character here. His Before we move on, though, Gordon.
1: yeah. Before we move on, the I also really, really love the using him as like the narrator of when he becomes Bruce Wayne, like after a night out of crime fighting, and he's like doing his diary journal entries to like keep track of that stuff. I love that part of it. Like that's something we haven't really seen. Like they showed us the like awkwardness of being batman like getting into position to uh watch selena kyle from afar to like get intel or getting back to the Batcave and like being like man what did i go through tonight <laughs> like that that's a whole different batman and bruce wayne than we've ever gotten
0: that's true and i don't think we've ever had a batman that narrates his um his approach right this is the first time i feel like it it felt like i was reading you know the long halloween the story that this is kind of based off of um because in batman comics you don't have you don't always have another character in the panel so what the writers will do is have him monologue um and so yeah this movie felt the closest we've ever gotten to an actual comic book from batman come to life because a lot of those are always like crime stories and stuff so uh yeah you're right that that was a really really cool um I guess, new edition, because I don't think we've seen that at all. I could be wrong, but I'm I'm pretty sure, at least on the no, I, f- I
1: feel like we've seen where they give, like, a big speech to, like, a Commissioner Gordon or to, like, um, to the rest of the Justice League. Like, we'll see them narrate that, like, what the fight that we're about to go into or, like, why I'm doing what I'm doing. But they never to themselves.
0: Which, that was fun to see.
1: Yeah. Sorry I cut you off there. So, some of the relationships with uh, some of the other main characters...
0: Jeffrey Jeffrey writes Gordon, I feel like like the the chemistry
1: was so good (laughs) between the two characters that it did Mm -hmm. feel like a buddy cop kind of crime thriller movie. Well, I also love that, like, again, totally different than what we see with other Batman is bringing him into, like, the police force. Like, the public persona of Batman was, like, we have a mass vigilante running around in the streets, like, we have to do something about it. But then, like, you go to the crime scene and it's, like, Jim Gordon is, like, yeah, he's with me, he's allowed in here. Like, it's... (laughs) It's such a different style, again, from what I've seen, at least. Like Again, I have a more limited uh, viewing of Batman. I love that. And yeah, this might be the best Jim Gordon I think we've seen. And that's saying a lot because um, we've seen some good ones in the past.
0: Yeah, Gary Oldman's Gordon was my favorite um, up until this point. Because I feel like there's something about this version where they almost feel like they're on the same level. You know what I mean? Like, they're both actively exploring the crime scene, getting evidence. And one of them is finishing each other's sentences, where I feel like, over in in Dark Knight, it almost felt like Batman was two steps ahead of Gordon.
1: Well, this Gordon also is like, as soon as he reads a riddle, he's like, what does that mean? (laughs) Like, like Robert Pattinson's really good at solving these riddles, because, like, he's figuring out the answer as it's being read. And I'm like, I'm the same as that... uh, attorney who's like can you reread the question uh, <laughs> they
0: they do have this really cool like balance between um each other that i feel like isn't quite there with uh with some of the other iterations that we've gotten it was also really great to kind of see this this take on gordon because i feel like you barely get anything about the guy's personal life right but you you get enough of it um, when it comes to like matching him up with Batman. So you, you say a lot of things about him without actually going into descriptions of what his backstory is. Uh, like we know he worked the, you know, we, we got little tidbits of that he worked the Maroney case. We know he's not corrupt. And we kind of figure out how Batman kind of comes to, to these conclusions. Uh, but it's such a cool dynamic that we haven't seen with this character before. Whereas I feel like in. And uh, he's he's as much of a character as he needs to be, whereas I feel like Gary Oldman's character sometimes almost dominated some of the screen presence uh, when it came to his dynamic with his version of Bruce Wayne.
1: Well, also, like, the scene that stuck out to me, too, is in this kind of blending later parts of what we want to talk about, but him being the one who runs up to uh, Robert Pattinson, who's, like, wailing on one of the fake Riddlers at the end and pulls him off and, like, brings him back to reality of like that's not you like he's a he's a great guide light for for uh, batman to stay on his path
0: yeah true
1: and like you wouldn't see gary oldman do anything like that
0: <laughs> no no i think it'd be the dynamic was was definitely different there
1: uh, for sure and, and then another relationship too um which you're hinting at before let's talk about Al- alfred because he yeah you can't have bruce wayne without alfred
0: yeah, well, maybe you can if you take out a lot of <laughs> <Maybe the> scenes.
1: <laughs> it felt weird, right? Like there's just not enough here to see, say, like, like judge how Andy Circus did in this role.
0: I feel like at most he got maybe seven or eight lines of dialogue. I, it, it sounds like an exaggeration, but like I feel like after watching it the second time, it does feel that way. Like he, he's definitely not the fatherly figure that we see from Michael Caine's version. Um, he's more in line with the iteration of the character that we see from uh, the Batman versus Superman uh, angle of things. He's He reminds me more of the Jeffrey Irons iteration of the character, but yeah, uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing, but just like in those films, yeah, you're right, we didn't get enough, um, and I feel like that's almost kind of uh, a little bit disappointing in, in, in that respect, just because you're right, like Alfred is an iconic character. He should have gotten a little bit more screen time and we should have gotten to know him at least a little bit better.
1: Yeah, it seems like you you can go two directions with Alfred where it's kind of like the Michael Caine of he's literally just a butler who cares about him and is like, I'm your family and that's what keeps him rooted there. But, or you can go the other way where it's like, hey, I cracked the cipher code while you were out fighting crime. Like, here's the answer. Like, and that's what we got. And that was about all we got.
0: I think from the comics perspective, Alfred's always been more like the Michael Caine version. Um, Yeah. And
1: I I think I like that version better where it's like, Riddler said this in the movie as well, where it's like, you're like when he's talking to Batman with the mask on, like that's not your mask. Your mask is when you take it off because that's not like you get to be who you want to be when you're fighting people as Batman. But when you go back to Bruce Wayne or whoever you are on the side, to pretend like you don't live a second life yeah yeah and that's why you need alfred to be like no you're still bruce wayne like you're more than just that crime fighter i guess the movie kind of lives up to its name right because
0: it's the batman and like that's like, it did focus True. on the batman And worse is the bruce to the detriment i guess of the bruce wayne persona here because we barely got a glimpse of that um in this film which i'm sure we'll get it fleshed out later um but Again, like it would have been nice to kind of have you know a few more scenes kind of focus on their dynamic
1: there. And we are talking about a three-hour movie, so like a few more scenes would be like, ah, oh, let's make it three and a half hours.
0: <laughs> well, I have some ideas on where they could trim stuff because I feel like there, there's excess fat in certain areas uh, where I feel like they don't really need to be. But um, and you know, let's uh, let's segue into one storyline that I feel like. Um, was very essential to the movie and kind of should have been or sorry not should have been it was the main focus of uh of like guiding us from point a to point b here and that's uh selena kyle's story uh which by the way hands i I, honestly unless you got some uh uh here i feel like this is hands down the best iteration of catwoman we've gotten um on the big screen i think so yeah Michelle Pfeiffer's was good, uh, I think, but and then we had um, Anne Hathaway, but I feel like Anne Hathaway was kind of like a, a, a mimic of Michelle Pfeiffer's performance in many respects. And Zoe Kravitz, I feel like, forms her own uh, spin on the character. And this doesn't feel like a Catwoman that's like supremely overpowered. And this doesn't feel like a Catwoman that's evil for the sake of being evil or, you know, anything like that this is a Catwoman that's stru- strictly kind of like neutral in it to kind of she's looking out for herself and for her friends and the story of her disappeared friend is basically what kind of guides this whole story along um her dynamic with bruce i thought was pretty clever and it was very like there's this camaraderie there but it dev- didn't delve too deep into the whole romantic interest until like the last third of the film
1: yeah, and I, it was weird to see them go into, like, the romantic bit after being, like, I think she tried to use, like, that to leverage Batman's help, but at no point was Robert Pattinson, like, I'm interested. He was more just, like, I just need somebody on the inside, but I have I have no objections to saying that this is the best Catwoman we've seen uh, on my one viewing, of course, but... They may have multiple lives, but they don't actually have her fall from a building and like use a life. <laughs> it's more of just like a playful mention of it. So I think that's why I, I liked it a little bit better. But her fighting, her like her also kind of being like a informant detective, uh, aide to Robert Pattinson's Batman, like it all it all worked really well and she progressed the story. It wasn't like she was just here to be like, Oh, look at her in a leather suit. <laughs>
0: Right, there was very little sexualization, I guess, of Catwoman. Whereas I think in the past, we've gotten some of those. Although Christopher Nolan's version wasn't all that much of that either. But um, the one thing that I really, really liked and stood out to me with Catwoman, you're right, they had the angle where she was constantly trying to be like flirty with Batman to kind of get something out of it. And he was super disinterested. <laughs> I think the only time you see a hint of him like kind of caring about her is at the end of the movie
1: uh, when they have their, their farewell scene. Um, that's Uh, a farewell and also like when she's thinking about shooting that cop right
0: right and like she kind of throws herself at him in in that regard in terms of like trying to like get some emotion out of him but it's not until the latter half of the film where he starts to kind of see that there may be something there but um as she mentions herself he's like too obsessed with his work and, and Gotham itself to really pay all that much attention to, to that aspect of his life, which I thought was neat because sometimes the love interest angle kind of muddles the story a bit mm-hmm. uh, and you kind of lose track of it. I think that that's my one big gripe about the dark Knight trilogy. Cause I feel like the love story there kind of felt a little bit like it um, fumbled a little bit throughout the three
1: movies. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. A
0: surprise performance, not, not surprise performance, but I guess, um, the 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 character that everybody's really talking about is is penguin Colin Farrell's penguin uh, which,
1: unrecognizable yeah <laughs> exactly. but so good
0: he was the highlight for me uh, for some of those supporting characters maybe even more so than Riddler just because I feel like he has um, he has his presence on screen and it does feel like this is penguin this isn't Colin Farrell playing penguin this is penguin.
1: Yeah, I don't know what Penguin's supposed to be like, because I was never into, like, the comics or into the old TV shows. But to me, it's, like, the only other comparison I have is Danny DeVito. I'm like, that's definitely not what it's supposed to be.
0: (laughs) No, he's supposed to be, like, a short mob boss, kind of stubby with a pointed nose, and that's why they call him the Penguin. But, like, yeah, people tend to look at Tim Burton's version of the character, which is the pointed nose flipper uh, having Penguin, which... as far from the comic book uh, iteration of the character. So this was really cool. It was in line with the comics, and it brought us that, like, mob boss feel that I feel like, um, you know, we haven't seen from the Penguin in this kind of live-action uh, platform.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, that's kind of making me think about, like, the mob bit as well. Like, you you get some of that in Christopher Nolan's movies. And it, it, but those really focus on like the drug trade and whatnot, and that was involved in here, but to such a little degree. Like Batman just didn't care about stopping the drug trade because he has like this bigger issue of Riddler going on.
0: Because this is like an extravagantly different take on the Riddler uh, than we've seen before. But then again, the last time we saw the Riddler was that 1997 film, I a mean, 1995 film with, uh, with Jim Carrey. So radically different from the last time we saw this guy on the big screen
1: yeah that's definitely a reoccurring theme of us saying like (laughs) totally different than what we've seen before but this whole movie was and i found it really refreshing and paul dino like killed this role he's so creepy he's a perfect heel for batman uh and it's one of those villains that like he could actually win and you wouldn't be surprised and I guess he kind of does win. He, he <laughs> Well, he inflicted as,
0: so much more damage, I think, than we've seen since Dark Knight, I guess, to Gotham. Um, but he plays it like it's almost like this thing. So, yeah, I don't know if you you kind of get what I mean here, but Hollywood and, and the movies in general tend to play a villain like the Joker. Uh, sorry, like like this version of the Riddler as somebody who's like grotesque and like horribly deformed or something like that that's what you would expect when when he would take off his mask and here's the riddler that looks like a perfectly normal guy and i think that's what makes it even scarier yeah the riddler was played very much uh, like a like almost like a modern day kind of antagonist especially that angle that he had where he had a following online it was very like to me you know like kind of striking a chord with some of the current day issues here
1: yeah, I mean, this is this is actually like a pretty good satirical movie as well, where it's like in a world that we're all used to living in, how would this play out today? And it's like, yeah, mobilize your followers online, and then it leads to what happens in the the basketball arena. I love the angle they
0: took with him on that, because it kind of seemed like, like how dangerous that kind of mindset is right um and then you get the the implication at the end where i thought um i thought riddler knew that bruce was was batman and so so did so did batman right (laughs) um and i think that's what kind of led him to stop um well that's why he stopped short of discovering the whole plan to blow up the uh the seawalls um it, it was that fear that he he probably got found out uh, and then we come to realize that that's not the case. He he was just kind of angry that they weren't able to murder Bruce Wayne. Uh, but the fact that Riddler thought they were doing this together and he had that kind of sick, kind of twisted mentality there, that was so good. <laughs> it's so creepy, but like that's why it worked so well.
1: Well, the one way I thought this movie was going to go um, was like pinning this on Batman in a way where at each crime scene, there's a note left for Batman. It's like, that's like, if it's me as a detective in that world, I would be thinking this guy is just creating a need for himself, like doing the crime, writing a note to himself and then like perpetuating himself into the game. And then when, when that, like that conversation in the prison started happening of like, we've been doing this together. I thought that was another way to be like, pin it on him, get it on camera. And Get uh Batman locked up.
0: Yeah, that would have been like another logical way to go about it. But like he he definitely did seem like he considered him a partner in all this, which uh again adds to the creepy element there, uh, which I thought was played up really, really well.
1: Yeah, and he's not entirely wrong. Like, hey, I I'm giving you a riddle, like I need you to bring this guy outside because I never get a shot at him. And that's exactly what Batman did. Yeah. <laughs> he he said it.
0: He's he said I don't have the physical strength to do this myself, but you do.
1: Yeah, and the the other thing too that you brought up there before was him just being like a normal guy, not being like a, you know, deformed per like freak that they usually would do in Batman movies. Uh made that scene at the funeral so good where the Bruce Wayne version of Robert Pattinson is like he's trying to like pick up on little conversations and see could one of these people in the audience be uh the riddler and of course there i mean we're led to believe that he was in the second story but yeah it could have been anybody there well it's funny
0: with that scene too because like he focuses in on two people the disgruntled father right and then also the guy that's trying to sneakily uh get past the cops there which is funny because that's like i think we as the audience members we would look at that too we'd be like all right who has the biggest like if somebody's looking for revenge that might be a suspect or if somebody looks as kind of like unkempt and disheveled like the guy that was trying to sneak past the cop there that's where my eye would draw right but like the reveal that's what i guess hit even more at the end with the reveal of riddler being like this guy that has perfectly kept hair (laughs) um he looks normal you know (laughs) like he doesn't look like there's anything up with him. which I thought was a, was a brilliant move here because, like, Riddler has been portrayed both ways. Like, as a guy that's openly psychotic uh, and some guy that's, like, extravagantly smart, whereas this Riddler, I feel like, doesn't really have that ego just yet.
1: And to just keep putting him in that space of being the Watcher, like, him at the funeral is in the second story. You You can only make out the silhouette of him. And then in the alleyway at the end, it's just him... In his window, it's like again, you can just see the silhouette, so it's like it could still be anybody, uh, but he's like always there,
0: right? And one thing I wanted to touch on, uh, since you brought up the funeral scene here, and I think the overall theme of this movie too, but um, we don't see Thomas and Martha Wayne bite the dust here, which uh, thank you, Winter Brothers, <laughs> no. But we get enough of uh, you know callbacks to it, and and I think the best way that they went about doing this or showcasing like Batman's grief on it is that connection he draws in the beginning of the movie and throughout the rest of the film because this kid pops up like four times. But the mayor's son who ends up mm-hmm. finding his father's dead body in the beginning, um, just like the just from looking at the kid alone and those like uh, camera pans and all that, you you have this like reaction from robert pattinson's performance that kind of you know solidifies that like bond kind of like the oh i understand what you're going through kind of feeling um and i thought it was really cool the way that they played up the relationship with that kid right because in the beginning the kid seems almost kind of like a little bit scared when he sees the batman at the crime scene uh but at the end of the film once batman decides to go and help out the people that are trapped under some of that rubble. It's the kid that reaches out to grab his hand. He's mm-hmm. the first. He's the first one to accept Batman's help, and I, I thought that was really cool, and like a really really like touching moment for us to convey the the grief that Batman's going through, but also like not have to be too muddied into some of the old tired tropes um, for the franchise. Uh, but I thought they played that out really well, because like at at the end of the day, yeah, he like Bruce is also. On, on an orphan boy who lost his parents and is trying to find some semblance of um, reason, I guess, and and purpose there.
1: And to also make it a little bit different than how we've seen in the past, uh, the Martha and Thomas passing away. It's more of a, like, in this movie, it was left as a unsolved case. And that can be a different type of, like, trauma and drive for bruce wayne as opposed to like seeing it happen in front of you like that's traumatizing for sure but not knowing why it happened how it happened who did it like that can also drive him to be like i need to make sure that this doesn't happen to other people i need to solve who killed the mayor for this kid
0: and bringing that element from some of the comics from the past about um martha being an arkham and how she had, like, mental instability throughout her life because of her trauma. It also kind of brings to light, like, yeah, like, that might make sense. Like, here's, you know, he's the son of somebody who had some mental issues. Then maybe he has some of that trauma inherited as well. Because who who in the right mind would dress up as a bat and go fight crime, you know? Like, there's a level of insanity there to the character. Um, and I feel like that this is a pretty neat way to kind of highlight that. Uh, and bring that idea to 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 the mainstream audience uh, in the way that I feel like was was pretty good
1: definitely yeah i agree i think leaving out the like flashback of that happening is perfect and then also i think leaving out the like him training or him learning how to fight all like leave that out we understand that he has to go through a certain level of training to get to this spot he has to go through trial and error of building out his suit but we don't need to see that every time. That that's just becomes a waste of time. Because it's all gonna end up in the same spot of him having like a bulletproof cowl.
0: Right. Right. We 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 kinda they treated this almost like we they treated the MCU introduction of Spider-Man, right? Like we it's almost like we're dropped in the middle of a story, whereas in most in, in the other um, iterations of, of the characters, we would get dropped at the beginning and have to go through the one ones and the basics there. Whereas, you know, I think the mainstream audience kind of can pick pieces up at this point we don't really need to revisit everything um i like that evolution though because i've I've seen some negative reviews of the movie saying like batman has no character arc where i I will disagree (laughs) no way yeah that's he has one for sure at the end of the film right like when he beats up that last um which by the way i have a theory that he is he using like a, a early stage iteration of the venom drug um on himself, cause he goes. I thought it was adrenaline at first, but don't you have to inject adrenaline into your heart for it to work? Or maybe I've seen too many movies on this, but
1: I assumed it was adrenaline. But I, well, I don't know what venom drug would be since that's isn't an that MCU.
0: It's that ven- It's the drug that Bane uses in the comics to to get all jacked and stuff. So just because when that was introduced in the comics, it's uh, Batman uses it. Um, from time to time to help him stay up and just kind of have this adrenaline rush but eventually he gets addicted to it
1: it sounds um, like the same thing there so
0: it it does uh, it was green that's why i was like all right it might be like a callback to it but anyway when he beats the criminal up uh, and then gordon unmasks him asks him who he is and he says he's vengeance it kind of mm-hmm. calls back to that that same line he gives to the criminal he beats up in the beginning uh, where and, and that leads him to you know make this decision to not only beat up criminals but also you know help the people out of that rubble and th- visually it seemed like you know he was guiding them using that flare uh which i thought that was what symbolized his progression as a character was like he he realizes that he can't just be the symbol that terrorizes criminals he's got to be something more mm-hmm. uh in order to you know Inspire people instead of just having them all be afraid of him.
1: Yeah. And especially following that up again with uh, like helping people get hella backed out of there with the National Guard. Like he, you're right. After, you know, beating this guy almost to a pulp and then hearing vengeance, he's like, I'm either becoming like an inspiration for people to do good or becoming an inspiration for other people just to put on a mask and become like more evil. And that came up from the conversation with Paul Dino in prison. Like this could go either way. So you're you're absolutely right. Where he then goes like I have to go do a couple good deeds now and like remind myself why I'm doing this, and remind everyone else. Right. And
0: the last character I want to touch on because I feel like I want to address this because. <laughs> Um, it's already been confirmed that it is who uh, everybody kind of thinks it is. But the conversation that uh, Paul Dano's character, uh, Riddler, uh, has with his cellmate there, uh, it was like a brief, what, 30-second scene? Yeah. Um, but the character in the other cell is played by uh, the Eternals actor for Druig. Uh, his name is Barry Keegan. Um, that's the Joker, which we don't get a, like a very big... Kind of visual reveal on we get little glimpses of a disfigured face there but uh i thought that was played up really well a- according to the director he's not like this is not necessarily a tease that he's going to use the joker he just wanted to establish that there's already villains in arkham that batman has dealt with before but this isn't like a fully fledged joker the little bits that we saw there i thought were pretty good and i feel like um the, the voice was a pretty good pretty good uh i guess iteration of the character here it was very again very brief but i thought it was a nice little tease we got there
1: i assumed it was joker but i also didn't know why they made him look like morbius <laughs> so I, I so if this is a ground to take
0: right i would assume that somebody that gets dumped into a vat of chemicals wouldn't come out immediately looking you know like a clown but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm waiting to see them actually do a full reveal of what this guy looks like under the makeup.
1: But it wasn't it was a cute scene to be like <laughs> we they might be a team up in the future and like agreed. It does give more like history and credibility to what Batman's been doing for the city cuz at our earlier parts they mentioned like he's been around for a few years and now it's like well there has to be proof that you've been doing something
0: right but yeah I, th- I thought you know overall this movie feels like it was something that kind of lived up to its promise like i said it was a detective thriller with a mix of like noir to me it had like elements of chinatown yojimbo know, and some of the you know, some like early scorsese mob films um but yeah I-, I i thought this was really good and i was i was pleasantly surprised to be honest with you not that i wasn't expecting this to be good it's just that i I just don't know what to think with, when it comes to DC. Sometimes
1: it definitely exceeded expectations, and it, you're right. Not that we went in with negative ones. It's just like I didn't think it would be this great. Um, but before we kick kick off, I just want to uh, have you expand on something that you teased up earlier. So the the issue with, for me, at least right now, is the length of this movie, and I could see spots where you could shave off like you know 15 seconds here or there, and it would probably add up to like five ten minutes over the whole course but is there bits that you would be like i would just cut this whole thing entirely like i can't figure out what that would be
0: i don't think there's sequences that i would cut entirely but i think there's sequences that could definitely be shortened i feel like the 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 chasing with uh the penguin lasted a little bit too long um that could be definitely be trimmed down a bit uh the entire kind of like um, the Rata Alada sequence that they had, where they're chasing down that that bit of the puzzle, that could have been trimmed a bit. Um, and then also, I feel like some of the uh, some of the scenes involving um, what's his name, uh, Bruce confronting Carmine Falcone, I feel like were a little bit too extended in certain in certain parts but again i don't think the sequences themselves should be cut all together i just feel like there's some where the pacing is just you know not kind of getting to the point there
1: yeah and bits where it's like the batman mobile starting up that was like yeah 30 seconds i think you could do that with like 10 so we're, we're talking like just shaving little bits off here and there so i think we agree that like every you know arc that they created and 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 plot point was necessary and and was enjoyable which made like you know sitting through a three-hour movie actually made it okay like i didn't mind it the only other thing i could think of would be like maybe not do that whole last act of uh, bruce figuring out what the plot was for the uh, flooding of the city yeah maybe use that as like a beginning for the next movie or something like that um which would have ended this around like two and a half hours, I think. But again, I had no problem with it continuing and giving us like one more conflict. I did see
0: that. Now that you mentioned it, yeah, they they could have just kind of let him fail at finding out what's going on there, because either way, right, whether he found out or not, he was too late to save the um, save the city, I guess, from the flood. But they could have just trimmed away that entire bit, and you you know have the seawall blow up anyway. Um, And I think that would have been a little bit more impactful, too, because then there's like that sense of failure, too, from not uh, having figured that out in time.
1: Right. But I wouldn't have changed that. Like, I don't think I will change anything. I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm definitely gonna go see it again.
0: Yeah, definitely. And um, Matt Reeves has teased a four hour cut of the movie somewhere. He's like, it's not something that he wants to, like, share as the official thing, but he would probably... Uh, apparently like once this gets released on home video, he's probably going to share that four hour cut of the movie for anybody that wants to delve into that, which I think would be cool to see. Uh, and I definitely would watch a four hour cut of it at home Yeah, <laughs> where I can pause and, and, you know, you know, go to the restroom when I need to, <laughs> <laughs> which by the way, anybody who, who at this point wants to go see it or whatever, like big recommendation, uh, <laughs> empty your bladder before you sit down. Cause my God,
1: this, yeah, I don't. It, it's three hours. It feels like three hours. I don't know what scene I would say. Like, when you get to this part, it's cool if you go take a break. Like, you don't want to miss anything on this movie.
0: Maybe the GoPro scene. <laughs> when he jumps off the... Now, now that I think about it, that is one nitpick I would have. Why did they use the GoPro, the GoPro
1: angle for that? Is that the windsuit? Yeah. You know what, I, though? They had a very similar look shot in Christopher Nolan's when he's flying above um Arkham to stop uh Liam Neeson's character from like spreading the gas and that's a very similar look to like Michael Keaton's flying around so I almost don't mind that you keep those nods to like original Batman flying
0: I guess so I just, the camera angle just bothered me cuz they put the camera right on his forehead like aiming down at him so it just right. kind of seems a little odd
1: True. But again, yeah, I would agree. I I would watch a four hour cut of this, but at home. And I think if you're gonna go to theaters for this, try and just stay there the whole time.
0: Yeah. And maybe don't bring in an entire Little Caesars Batman Calzone like half Calzone-y. of the audience did. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Wait, your audience did?
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw like a whole bunch of them bring it in and I was just like, I know there's a little Caesars nowhere near this theater, so that traveled yeah and not well
1: (laughs) (laughs) oh man well i think uh, i think this is an okay place to cut it uh we might revisit this if we watch it more and more like fan theories come out and stuff like that but i think this is a good first take on opening weekend for us uh of course if you think we missed anything feel free to hit us up on twitter at bt fourth wall otherwise thanks for listening